Welcome to Clydesdale Media, fueled by C4, Cellucor, and Extend. Use the code Clydesdale to get 20% off the checkout at c4energy.com. On Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the widest array of content here on our YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notifier so you first know when new episodes are available. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. We are doing a series where we're featuring the athletes of the CrossFit Games semifinals. And we are so privileged and honored to have with us Matthew Green. Matthew, how are you doing? Well, how are you, Glenn? So uh, before we get started, I'm with my co-host, Amy. Uh, she's a big Hiller fan. You're sporting the no rep t-shirt. Uh, how do you know Andrew Hiller? With him for many years in the central regional, starting in uh, 2015, 2016. He was a regional athlete for four years, I think, around the same time as me. And then I've met up with him at you know other big comps, Granite Games, maybe the Palooza as well over the years. Um, so just been following him for years now before he was a, a big, uh, no rep guy. <laughs> yeah. You've been, uh, you've been competing at a high level for a long time then in the, in the field. Yeah. It took like a two year hiatus. Uh, but yeah, for about eight years now, I started 2015. I was a team was my first, yeah. First year regional as a team. So for quite a while. <clears throat> yeah, and you also have competed at a high level in another sport. Um, which I want to get into and before we get into all the CrossFit stuff, and that's jujitsu. Uh, I have quite a bit of grappling experience, more than CrossFit probably combined, grappling and, and fighting. Um, yeah, I have you down as you won the gold at Worlds in, in no, Nogi. Is that what it's called? Correct. Yes, that was uh, IBJJF Nogi Worlds. And you won the gold medal there. You've also won um, two golds at the Pan Ams. Yep. Uh, same organization. Yeah. IBJJF Pan Ams. Um, that was in the Gi or no, that was no Gi as well. Yeah. And then in Gi, you won three silvers and a bronze. Correct. Yeah. So what's the difference between Gi and no Gi? Um, sort of as it would, it would imply is just whether or not the gi is like the, the traditional martial arts uniform that you see, that's kind of that thicker, uh, cotton material. Um, it's a different style. No gi is traditionally just like a rash guard and shorts. So it's more of a wrestling higher pace, um, style. And that some of the techniques obviously vary depending on whether or not you have the gi, um, you know, guys with more wrestling backgrounds and people that are more, I would say athletic typically excel better in no gi and then guys that are more technical probably do better in the gi because of the, the higher skill that it requires. Yeah. I don't even know where I heard this before, but someone was saying like, if, if they wore a gi, they would, they would lose a fight because they're not good close in because you can grab the gi, but like no gi, you can't grab the, the clothing or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the main difference, which is why you sort of have you really you really don't have any clothing to grab anyway. But yeah, you couldn't like usually you wear you know compression essentially compression shirt. So there's not really anything to grab. But yeah, you, you're not allowed to grab in in nogi. Um, but it really wouldn't do anything anyway. Like in terms of if we're translating this to like an actual fight, um, the, and the gi is pretty unrealistic. I think 
like, yeah, people wear, you know, coats and jeans and thicker clothes, but they, uh, geese are mitten, you know, constructed to be, to take damage. They're very thick and they're heavy, they weigh pounds. So they're kind of meant for the sport of, of, um, of grappling as opposed to just regular clothes that would most likely rip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so what got you into that? Um, so I wrestled for quite a while, eight, 10 years, uh, high school, some college as well. And then out of, out of college, I started fighting for a few years and that's where I started jiu-jitsu, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't really jiu-jitsu for, for the skill of jiu-jitsu is more of jiu-jitsu for fighting. Oh, sorry. My, my girlfriend is, keeps texting me. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, I got into it through wrestling and fighting and, and, and I just switched over. I decided I didn't want to get my head, you know, I, I wanted to keep my brain. So I switched to jiu-jitsu uh, jitsu, because obviously it's a, it's a very combative sport, but you don't, you don't get hit. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's why you wouldn't do like MMA or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I had a few fights, but it's definitely why I got out of it. Cause it just, uh, I value oh, my so brain. You did, you did do that. Yeah, I fought Amor Chili for a couple of years. Wow. Yeah, those are those are some tough SOBs in there, man. They are. They're uh you got you have to be crazy to fight. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm all for like do it like I took a keto for a while and and I loved like learning all of this stuff, but when people start swinging at my face, I'm I'm out. Oh, you're on mute. Oh, no, no you're not. Sorry. Oh, no. Sorry. Yeah, and, uh, get out there for <laughs> nobody wants to. Well, some fighters like to get hit, but ideally, yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> it's not a good feeling, right? And if you're up against a fighter who likes to get hit, you're probably in a bad situation. Yeah, well, depending on your skill, maybe him too if he likes it. Because, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. All right, so um, so y- you mentioned your wrestling, and I wanted to talk about that. Um, you mentioned on your Instagram, I think not that long ago that the West has three top end wrestlers, uh, yourself, Chandler and Justin Medeiros, and that someone should sanction a bracket, uh, to see who's the best wrestler at pass in Pasadena. Absolutely. So I got to ask who, who do you think is going to win? Well, if they'd be willing to sponsor, I guess there's only one way to find out, but my money is definitely going on me. Um, no, no offense to Justin Medeiros, but I wouldn't even consider him in the, in the mix. He, I think he just has some high school, um, obviously a great athlete, but I don't think he's Chandler Smith's, uh, well, his, uh, accolades and training and wrestling are far, far superior to, uh, Medeiros. And he's kind of a scary man. He's very, very powerful. <laughs> and did you wrestle in college as well? Cause he, he wrestled at the, the Academy, right? Yeah, I think West Point he did. Um, we actually wrestled – our teams wrestled each other. And uh, he was one weight class below me, but my buddy, my training partner, wrestled him in high school. Uh, he got beat up pretty good, actually. <laughs> That's so oh, wow. cool. Yeah, because he's a Missouri guy, too. So we were – I think he was either one year above or the same year as me. But, uh, yeah, he was at West Point, I think, four years. And I went to Lindenwood for two – or both Lindenwoods in St. Charles, Missouri. So we've had other CrossFitters, former wrestlers on the show – and uh, Chris Spieler, I think, said it best. What, why wrestlers make good uh, CrossFitters is that you're used to being in positions of pain. You know, you're, you're contorted. Your body is in a place where you have to push through that pain 
to, to keep going through the match. And that happens a lot in CrossFit. Yeah, absolutely. I think acutely. Um, yes, obviously in any given moment, you're, you're in pain when, when, when you're in wrestling oftentimes, but I think more than that, it's, it's kind of the, the fortitude that you, well, one that it requires. And then even more importantly, that it builds while doing it through the act of wrestling, like the, the chronic effect of wrestling, you know, it, it builds a sense of fortitude in you that you really can't mimic or emulate with many other sports or endeavors. I feel like, um, yeah, everything seems easy after you wrestle. <laughs> and you're, you're an OG CrossFitter. So did, did people like Spieler have an impact in you doing the sport or did, how did that come about? I wasn't really familiar with Spieler nor I didn't know he was a wrestler until a few years back either. Um, love his stuff though. Um, no, I can't say uh, I can't say it was any one particular person that had an impact. It was just more the idea of what CrossFit represented and that it was a good comp competitive outlet. Um, I think. How did you find main. CrossFit? Buddies, um, rest, ex wrestlers, Linwood wrestlers. They were my coaches at the time for wrestling and fighting. Um, Rocky Virtue, Randy Vanderveen. They. Um, just one day saw work, I guess a CrossFit workout online, you know, back in 2014 when yeah. people would see something like, Hey, try this, man. Started trying random workouts and the rest was history. Yeah. You, so in researching you, I went through your Instagram and there was a post on your Instagram, very emotional about your father, who was your wrestling coach. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. little in little you, league he was little league okay okay, yeah. okay. All right. and that um and you i it, it appears that you lost your father at a at a younger age and i just lost my father 2 years ago and i was devastated by that so i can't even imagine at a younger age and you did a tribute about what how, what a great coach he was and, and a man he was and that you've you've spent the last 16 years or so trying to fill those shoes I'm going to show that real quick. And if you could just walk us through what he meant to you um, and what, and how that has paid forward, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So there's the, uh, the, the tribute. Can you walk us through what, what your dad meant to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of like any good father figure, I think would be for anyone who's obviously a role model in, in um, many facets. Uh, <laughs> um, I just growing up, it was kind of like, you know, you grow up and, and you see your dad, and you're like, oh, you kind of it's, it's like this giant that you, you, you try to you try to be like and you can't ever really attain. It feels unattainable. I mean, he was uh, he was definitely the toughest dude, I think. I don't think I, that I know that I've ever encountered um, very physical and mental. I think more than that, it was, was mental fortitude, just day in and day out, getting to see how he, um, how he handled life. And it just, he seemed unfazed at any point, regardless of the situation or circumstance. And he just instilled that, that sense of that fortitude and that, that mindset into me. So I think losing him kind of in, in losing him in a way, Obviously, it was it was traumatic and probably it was the worst thing of my life. But also at the same time, it was there was a blessing behind it because I think it gave me 
it gave me, it was a catalyst that allowed me to become the person that, that I was. I'm not sure that I would be, obviously I, I am who I am because of him, but I also am who I am because I lost him. And I think that's, that's an important thing to note. Um, and, you know, ever since then, my path has kind of been, has been paved in such a manner to act as he would and as how he would want me to. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually welling up myself because it's still pretty fresh in my mind. My dad always had my back. My dad was always there. Um, and, uh, losing him was very, very devastating to me. It appears here and please correct me if I'm wrong, that you're laying down all these awards that you received basically saying like, I couldn't have done this without you, dad. Correct. And obviously just to, you know, show my gratitude, you know, for it's just kind of my way every, every year on, on the, you know, anniversary, usually I, I go and leave a, you know, a tangible object of some sort that represents something I've accomplished, you know, just to show that, Hey, yeah, I couldn't have done this without you and I'm doing it for you. And because of you. That's awesome. Um, I love that. And so I know at one point you decided you wanted to be a police officer and what, what went into that decision-making process? Similar, you know, similar to, I think, um, it wasn't a direct result of what I think what he, you know, to, to connect this back to my dad, it wasn't a direct result of what he would want, but he was a very moral driven and morally outward, morally, um, expressed person. And to me, it was kind of, I was kind of lost. I didn't have a job. I was working at steak and shake, serving personal training, just random odds and ends, trying to make ends meet to train full time for CrossFit. Um, but I wanted something, I felt kind of, part of me felt unsatisfied and complete. So I looked for something bigger, you know, more, something to be more multidimensional in life. And I figured being a police officer was the best way to connect my current skills, ability, and a way of you know, continuing on the, you know, his legacy of what he would want and how he acted, even though he wasn't one, but just the general characteristics and traits you would need to be a good police officer. I think that's what that propelled me into that. And then how long were you on the force? Four years. Okay. Was it an enjoyable time or was it something that you realized down the road? Cause I know that you left the force like 11 months ago did you do that to train more or did you do that because of other reasons that you want to pursue something else in life? It was actually an inadvertent byproduct of it. Um, no, I, I, I did enjoy it to answer the, I guess the first question it was enjoyable at times. And as you would imagine, it was not always enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, it was fun. I think that, you know, the thrill was, I mean, I, I worked in North city, North St. Louis city, which is, statistically crime weight crime rate wise the worst in north in, in america so the thrill was always there uh the excitement was always there which was the fun part but obviously you know with any um with something that intense you're gonna you know you're gonna get huge lows as well you're gonna see the opposite end of the spectrum so i think that you know the sleep my lifestyle wasn't as healthy as i would have liked relatively speaking you know mostly with sleep because of you know, riots start happening yearly now. And we go on two, three, four week binges of 12 hour shifts. I just didn't like the path I was going down mentally or physically. Um, and I, I think that I, I, for my personal self, you know, my person, my personal well-being, I, I, that's why I left. And then everything else was a byproduct. Um, 
I think a secondary reason was also I was looking to pursue a master's, um, which I found a job that was willing to pay for it. And that was a huge reason for leaving. That's a huge so, reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm still paying mine off. So kudos to you. Big motivator. Yeah. I, so I, I wanted to pursue things non-athletically, I guess, to answer the second part. There, non-athletic reasons were, was also a motive for leaving as well. Um, so I could pursue, you know, scholarly, I guess, things you would say. <laughs> so are you in your master's program now? Am I, so I finished my undergrad a year ago um, and I'm taking an applied math. My master is going to be applied physics. So I'm taking a couple undergrad physics classes to catch up. I'm starting in like a couple months here, the actual master's courses. So that's very scholarly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's not a blow off course. No. No, it's uh no, it's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. So what, what, what is the end goal with that? What do you want to do um, with physics uh, moving forward? Switched uh, over to Boeing as an engineer and my goal short term is obviously just to use that to get the, the master's in physics. I would like to switch to something more um, astronomical, although, cause my physics, um, the physics degree is going to be more, focus towards astrophysics. So the goal is maybe like an observatory type job, um, something with a on the hopefully on the astro um, astronomy side of physics. Yeah. Cause physics isn't hard enough. Let's, let's go astrophysics just to blow it out of the water. <laughs> well, just a little different. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, typical CrossFitters, you got to overdo everything, right? You can't <laughs> overachieve and um, we're definitely obsessive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's awesome, man. Um, it, that's a great fact to learn about you. So let's get into CrossFit a little bit. You've been at this a very long time. You, you actually are one of the few athletes that has, has experienced both at the regional level and now the semifinal level. So we're kind of moving this year into more of the old fashioned regional type type um season are you happy for that or uh do you did you like it in another iteration no absolutely i, I couldn't be more thrilled uh to be blunt i hated the the 2020 the 2020 and 2021 were was awful those seasons um where, where they didn't have any regionals it was just sanctionals and it was very arbitrary to me um semifinals were a little better or less worse would probably be the way i would describe it but they still weren't standardized <laughs> which <laughs> i guess yeah. they had two two of the workouts were standardized so it was less worse um and more so than that it's structure it's just there's no standardization in the structure at all too in the way that you got somewhere in 2020 and 2021 so yeah i'm definitely thrilled about the, the seemingly more consistent nature yeah. of do you go to an affiliate or do you train in in your garage <laughs> so most of my training is in the garage, especially in the off season. Um, obviously in preparation for the season at the end of last year, around December, I joined CrossFit Wildwood and affiliate um, because I can't really do any pulling gymnastics. I don't have rings that give me height or rope or, you know, a rig that I could put my extra large body on and not break. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so now you're going West, which is really, it's really bizarre for me because like I told you before we, we came on the air, I was a volunteer at central regional from like 2014 to 2018. 
Um, I judged a year in there. Um, so I've seen you around the sport a long time. And now all of a sudden they, they say that Missouri is West and you're going all the way to California. Are you happy about that? I'm, I mean, I'm indifferent. I'm not going to bitch either way. I'm, I mean, I think the way they divide the regions, I don't, I'd like to know the reasoning and if there was a reason behind it or if there was some sort of algorithm they used to, to figure it out because there's a big disparity to me looking at um, the scores, the relative scores of placements. There's a big disparity in the West and East. The West is noticeably easier for both teams and individuals. So the depth is just not there. Um, so I guess that'd be interesting to see if they fix that or make adjustments next year. My guess is they went, Hey, there's this big river. It goes down <laughs> through the country. Maybe we just split it there. Yeah. So I guess seems fair. There's more geographic region, more, um, but more populous, I guess probably more population on the East coast because of all the bigger cities. I'm not sure. I mean, you have, I don't know. You have the West coast cities, which are obviously populous, but populated, but they're not, uh, I feel like CrossFit's just not big there anymore. So you don't really get. Yeah. I think the wet, the West at the top is, is fine. Yes. It's yeah, the, it's the depth. It's the depth from the West to the East. That's very different. Yes, absolutely. I actually think the West is going to be more exciting. And I'm, and the reason why is just out of pure luck because you get 10 spots in the West for the women. I think it's nine for the men. And if you have a final heat of 10, you pretty much know who has their ticket by that final heat on Sunday and can they hold on to it or not? And I think for the viewer, that makes it much more easy to understand. There's no math involved. You see who's on the floor. You know they currently have the ticket. And are they going to be able to hold on to it? And I think that adds drama to the West that is not going to be as easy to see on the East because they have the 12. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a good point I didn't consider. Yeah. Yeah, just from a from an optic optics as a viewer, I think it makes it much easier to understand. And that's what CrossFit has to figure out to grow. How do you tell the story easily without people having to do math all the time? Not everybody has uh, an undergrad in applied mathematics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good point. Um yeah, I think making it more user or viewer friendly especially for people that are novices at, yeah, in the sport or new to it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. So, um, so you went to quarterfinals. Did you like the quarterfinals this year? Effectively or relative to previous years? Um, yeah, I, I didn't really have a problem with it. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like the 275 pound cleaning jerks that had to be, that didn't have to be squat. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think, I think the test for solid, it was a little biased to me pressing wise. Um, I'd have liked to see the GHD workout was weird. Um, it was kind of a waste of the row. Um, I would have liked to see maybe something longer that wasn't like just solely GHD dependent, um, you know, more of a traditional monostructural or longer chipper that wasn't that actually required fitness, not GHD capacity. What do you overall, think about DX being in that? Uh, I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. And I knew yeah. when they came out with it, that everyone was going to 
fuck it up and that all the standards there's no way to uphold whatever standard they were trying to uphold especially when it said feet together but not touching um not a good movement to put in a competition (laughs) yeah i totally agree like i think it's a good accessory movement i think it's great to have in your training but very weird in a competition Yes, Bosman's definitely going on the. He's trying to get gymnastics more obviously intertwined in there or different gymnastics. Yeah, how did you? So feel let me about ask you this: I oh. need to know about the wall facing handstand pushups. Have had you been training that? No, I did them pump? once. Okay. No, I, I did them once, but they were. I mean, those were no issue. Anything pressing for me is really is a strength. Um, so I think if you can, if you have strong shoulders and you have moderately good balance, like it shouldn't be an issue to do a, a wall facing or not wall facing handstand. Mm-hmm. It's felt the, the same. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I, I was just, um, I did the um, master's quarterfinals last week and it's like, I, I just found the standard to be also a little bit tricky because just so close to the wall, you know, it's sometimes a little bit more challenging, but. Yeah. It requires a more balance than the regular. Hand, yeah. Handstand. Yeah. So I was talking to, we were following a handful of athletes through the season. One of them is Carolyn Prevo. And we asked her about the row. And she said they could have simply made it better by making it calories instead of meters. Because calories would have made it more of a power output necessity um, where meters, you can't make up any ground on anybody, whether you pull harder or not. It's five seconds one way or another. Yeah, I agree. And it's also easier to just like standardize what it means to do a repetition. One calorie is one rep as opposed to this nonsense, nonsensical, like what was it? 10 meters was a rep or I don't even know. And they rounded up and they allowed you to do rollover. I I don't know. It was all sorts of uh, fuckery to me. Yeah. Yeah. So Amy brought up the the standard for the handstand pushups. 10 inch, 10 inch tape mean anything to you or you're pressing so good. It didn't matter. But yeah, it was actually, it made it easier from, it made it the, the, the movement easier for me because I'm used to going closer than that. Um, I feel like if you put your thumbs on the edge, I'm looking down at the line right now as I speak. If you put your thumbs on the, the edge of the line and you turn your hands out, it's for me with the width of my hands, it ends up being like a four, well over a 40 inch box which is obviously greater than the width of the boxes they had been using at regionals and or the open. Yeah. 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 People seem to like it at the gym I was at. So, um, and, but I've heard, I've heard a little bit both ways. I mean, you can, you're used to doing handstands close to the wall as you should be. I think that those kind of people would have done better or at least as good as the other standard, the previous years. Some people have that bad habit of tripoding and getting that big angle with the wall. And that's where they get in trouble by dropping the butt and not having full extension and all of that stuff. So do you follow a programming or do you program for yourself? With the help of uh, two of my, two of my buddies, Greg Schneider, Kevin Manbeck. So you do all your own programming and that I assume then you don't have a coach. Um, no, I don't have a direct coach. Once again, those two guys just kind of oversee me. We bounce each other's off. You know, I act, they're kind of like the devil and angel on my shoulder and push and pull. Oh, you're stupid. Don't do that. Or you suck at this, do this. And so it's just kind of a, 
um, yeah, mostly me doing things I'm really good at and uh, things I really suck at. So who will be traveling out to Pasadena with you? Kevin, Greg, um, Greg's a chiropractor. So he'll be, you know, the guy keeping me in one piece. Um, and then my girlfriend, Elizabeth as well. Nice. And our gym actually Wildwood has another individual athlete, Addie and a team that qualified. So they'll oh, be going great. as well. Great. So who gets a coach's pass? <laughs> yeah, they're going to fight over it. All three of them, are, all three of them are definitely splitting it because I'm not. I don't want any any business. <laughs> right. With, uh, just choosing say, just one person. Throw it down and say you guys figure it out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I you got to think the body guys got to get back there to help you yeah. out because you got to stay in one piece for the weekend. That was more more uh, naturally inclined to be a strategist, so he'll be more of a before kind of guy telling me don't do stupid shit that you would want to do. Yeah. Greg will keep me alive and right before the event and after, and then my girl obviously has to be there. Cause um, yeah, she'll kill me if she doesn't get to see it. Yeah. And, you and need she's the one that just tells you you're awesome. Yes. She's just there to support me and yeah. In, in every way. <laughs> so we, we had Ariel Lowen on and she's coaching herself this year as well. Um, for the most part. And she has a training partner that shows up here, there. Um, but we asked her like, how do you make sure that you don't cherry pick? So I'm going to ask you the same question. Yes. That's a, that's something I, <laughs> that's a great question for somebody that programs themselves. Um, I think the main opposing force to that is Kevin. He definitely, you know, I'll run by ideas. Hey, Hey, what do you think about this? Cause I know obviously I'm, we're all biased by nature of being human. So he kind of is that guy like, no, 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 you're doing that. You're, you're programming sets of hundred wall balls because you like sets of hundred wall balls. You shouldn't do that. Um, so partly I run it by myself first, ask myself those questions, obviously still biased are going to come to play. And then I run it by him and we kind of just go through that uh, circular, circular uh, path of uh, making adjustments based on strengths and weaknesses. So I don't, you know, I don't do, uh, I don't just row 10 Ks every day. <laughs> So I got a question about the programming and this, this is like, if you remember back in the day when rich, they used to do little mini documentaries on him and he would come in, write down all the movements he wants to accomplish in that week on the board. And then he would like grab the movements and put them into workouts and basically like eliminate everything that he needs to do throughout the week that way. Is, is that a way that you could, that you organize what you need to get done in a week? That is one of the ways in which I, yes, I definitely use that method. Um, there are certain, there's a certain pool of movements and implements that I have to get done in a week. And I make sure, Hey, I need to hit chest to bars every week. I need to hit muscle ups every week. I need to hit a heavy sandbag. I definitely do that. And then I, I to play on the other side, there's also, I consider time domains mm -hmm. and total volume as well. It's like, Hey, I, you know, I'm more aerobic in nature than anaerobic. I need to make sure I hit four anaerobic sessions and then maintain my aerobicness with two. So I definitely have, I have to kind of consider multiple things and combine them. Do you geek out about programming or it does it get to be a task? Um, both. <laughs> it can definitely be <laughs> tedious, but I, we, we definitely geek out on it. I think that's why I do it because I, I enjoy that, that side of it. Uh, yeah, I enjoy that side probably just as much as I love doing the workouts. Yeah. <clears throat> do you feel like the mad scientist trying to put it, 
make make the all the puzzle pieces work every week? <laughs> um, I've been doing it for so long that it's I feel less mad at times, um, and <laughs> definitely still crazy sometimes depending on the volume of the day. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I've gotten so used to it, and I follow a pretty similar pattern of how I program. That, so there's definitely a a trend to it. So what kind of recovery tools do you use to make sure that you are making sure that you're healthy and ready um, for semis? Um, my main method is just the old school stretching. Uh, I think that's probably more psychological too than physical. Just 30, at least 30, you know, 40 minutes of just putting in my headphones and mm -hmm. just getting lost in a long stretch or, you know, having my girlfriend just pull me every which direction and, and a partner stretch too when I really need a, <laughs> yeah. a good release. Um, I think that, that, and along with slow aerobic pieces at like a 120 to 130 heart rate for about an hour really, you know, helps me, uh, it, it rejuvenates me. Yeah. So is that what they're calling it these days is partner stretch? <laughs> um, that's what I, her and I are calling it. That's what we're calling it here. <laughs> yeah. I think that got me slapped back in college, but anyway, um, uh, I wanted to ask about training partners. It, it sounds like you have a couple, another, a couple elite athletes at the gym and then you have your buddies. Do your, can your buddies keep up with you and push you? Um, or do they, can they push you in certain areas or do you, um, do you have to rely on the gym people more? I do most of my training actually alone, even though I have quite a few, you know, elite athletes that I'm surrounded by. I really don't, it's kind of just a battle. Like I, I'm so capable, I'm so aware of my capabilities and lack thereof that um, I feel like it's, you know, working out with someone or not working. It doesn't really affect how I train or the end result. Um, and I'm so busy that it's easier for me to kind of just, hey, I'm going to go to, I'm just going to go, I'm going to hit this piece, get it done. So it's kind of, I don't have to coordinate the whole training partner thing. Um, but yeah, I definitely um, hit workouts when possible with, with some athletes when they, with some higher level athletes, um, when they can, and it works out. And you don't want to, you don't want to go 110% every day in training either. Right. Sometimes, you know, it's skill work or things like that, that you don't, you don't need to push in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I know, like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I know how to push and I would, I wouldn't consider that a weakness. So I don't think, I think for most people, they, they need that external, um, you know, motivation. factor that, yeah, they need that, that person like to push to, I don't, that's not motivation for me. Um, either I'm <laughs> either I slept and I'm going to, and I'm going to crush the workout or, or I'm not because I programmed it to not be a devastating workout. So either way, it's irrelevant most of the time. Well, one thing you've proven in life is that you're going to push regardless. Um, you're going to overcome and, and achieve anything you put in front of you. Um, as you're studying to be an astrophysicist. So, you know, I think that probably parlays into training for CrossFit as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to see the, uh, the throwdown between you and Chandler and whoever else will be there. So hopefully they'll, they'll bring some mats out. I mean, I, I'm down to go on the floor. If, if he is, I'll, yeah. I'll have to ask him again. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Chandler Chandler's a scary dude. That he guy is. has so, such a power output. He is very powerful. I, I have quite a, quite the size on him. It's not too fair. I probably have 40 pounds on him. Um, 
two, about 225. He, I don't know. He's about 190, 185. I don't know. He's pretty sure he's like five, six, five, seven. So, yeah. but yeah, he's very, very powerful. <laughs> yeah. What, the, what is it like? Cause you don't see very many two and a quarter CrossFitters, right? You, Anthony Davis, I don't know many more than that. Um, what, how do you, how do you use that to your, to your advantage and how do you eliminate the issues it can cause? Um, yeah, <laughs> I think, uh, to answer your question, it's kind of a lot of my programming. Um, my, my, my uh, programming thought is based on, on my weight. Um, because obviously pulling gymnastics are going to be a big weakness. Gravity's a bitch. Um, and so I think that, you know, I consider mainly based on my weight, Hey, what, what are my biggest weaknesses? And also trying to get my weight under control too. Cause no, most of those guys that are large are obviously typically stronger uh, amongst the field. I'm weaker objectively amongst even the smaller athletes. So I have, you know, it's kind of hard to be big and weak and not good at gymnastics. <laughs> I can't be both. <laughs> Yeah, you might be being a little bit hard on yourself. You wouldn't be in the position you are if you were that weak and that bad at gymnastics. So, <laughs> well, this has been fun getting to know you, Matthew. Um, you're a very interesting man, and I know you're going to do great things, whether it be in CrossFit or astrophysics. Uh, astrophysics can't even say the word, let alone study it. Um, and it's been a it's been a joy getting to know you, man. Yeah, you as well. I appreciate the time, guys, and. Uh probably see you at regionals. I'm assuming you'll be there. So yeah, good luck to yeah, you. I'll be out in Pasadena. So, uh, just looked at flights last night. Awesome. All right. Yeah. All right, man. See you there. We'll see ya. See you guys.